So I was telling Linda this on the way out that, hey, look at that. We're going to talk prayer today of all days. How's that? That's nice. But we didn't, I know we didn't talk through prayer. So, so let's do that. Uh, and that's the helpful thing is that I already told you some of the things that I would have told you because I said them in the sermon. We'll figure. And you heard it in hymns. Plus, you got to sing the Lord's Prayer hymn, which says a lot of the things you're going to read. It's just another way to learn the catechism. Luther wrote hymns because, um, mm, you, well, you know this. You know song lyrics probably better than you know anything else. Yeah. You know? I mean, just remember song lyrics. Maybe not off the top of your head, but you, know, you just say the first couple words and then you got the rest of it because of the music. It's actually the music that it puts you, in your head. It uses a different part of your brain. Yeah. We actually know that. Yeah. yeah. I do it all the time. So I was actually thinking. Um, well, before we start, I was thinking about the um, Lord's Prayer, and one of the things that congregations have complained about that I've served in before is when it's, it's in service three, it's appointed that the pastor sing the Lord's Prayer up until the, the termination, the, the little additional ending at yeah. the end, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Oh, yeah. right, right. Then the congregation sings that. That's where that came from. That's where it was added on to the Lord's Prayer, is it, because that was the congregation's response to the Lord's Prayer, sung by the pastor. The reason why the pastor would sing is pretty simple, is that it's hard to get everybody to say it at the same speed and same yeah, time. And, right, right, right. Um, and part of it is also just the theology of it, is that the pastor is, I'm not standing alone. I'm, I'm, I'm just serving as representative, uh, both of the people before God, and God before the people. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not Jesus, but I represent Jesus. And I'm not you, but I represent you. Yeah, yeah. So it works both ways. Uh, just like what we heard in Timothy today, where Christ is the one intercessor between God and men. And so he appoints his pastors to serve in his stead, in his place, doing that work. You know, so you heard it in the reading from Numbers. This is all introduction, actually, to what we're going to talk about. You heard it in Numbers. <coughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. It's just a piece of peanut. It's not a problem. <laughs> My eyes are watering, though. All right, so in Numbers, you heard the Old Testament reading. What was that one about? Remember? People are in the wilderness, and they say to Moses, Well, I don't know what to say, but they doubt God. Yeah, they doubt God, right? They're like, Oh, it'd be better if we were back in the wilderness where we had food and water and all that kind of stuff. All right, and then. God sends a fiery serpent among them to bite them, right? It's like, because, you know, when you unbelieve, um, there, there are, as they say, consequences. All right. Um, but, but, but we've talked about this before, that God doesn't willing, as the psalm says, he doesn't will, willingly afflict his children. So he only, the only reason that we experience suffering, pain, loss, etc., is for the sake of faith, not to punish us, but actually that we would trust in him. Who can save me from this? Well, God alone, right? So to actually, rather than driving us away from God, it's, it, they're intended to draw us back to him. Yeah, yeah. So you notice that's what happens. The fiery serpents come, then they come to Moses, and they're like, what? Who's going to you know, save us? Right. right? Now that, uh, and then the Lord tells Moses, put, put the serpent upon the pole, and when they look on their lip. Incidentally, yeah, they do end up worshiping it later. They even give it a name. I can't remember its name. Something in Hebrew. They turn it into an idol later. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what we do. with Even with God's gifts, we turn them into idols. People worship their children, for example. It's a gift from God, and then we end up worship, sometimes worshiping them. Everything's about my kids. Whereas, not everything's about your kids. You know? 
God gave you your kids to like teach them the faith, to discipline them, to raise them in the way they should go. All right, so uh, my question to you, though, from the Numbers reading, two times they talked to Moses. First to say, hey, what the, we, we don't have hunger, we're hungry and we're, we're thirsty and it's God's fault. The second time they say to him, you know, basically save us, right? Um, which of those two are prayer? Yeah, both are the prayer. Yeah, and this is, I mean, I said this in the sermon, but it, it bears some, maybe not correction, but some balance. Is to say, Christian prayer is praying in the Lord's word in his name. Hopefully you got that. I said that probably 15 times. Okay. Which, which means he promises and that's what you ask for. And then it also implies if you ask for things he hasn't promised, you're not going to know whether he's going to give it to you. Right? Um, and it also means that if you fail to ask for the things he's promised, that's also doubt. Right? So he says, call upon me in every trouble, or Luther instructs us to call upon him in every trouble. And then what happens? We're, we're in, you know, in a difficult spot, you know, maybe. Uh, and then we just, we don't, we don't call on his name. We don't pray. Like, that's the time, that's of all times, that's when you should pray. Yeah, when things are getting rough. You know, even if you're just like nervous, you're going to, you know, be going yeah. to stand before the altar and you're not sure you're going to make it up there and be able to yeah. do it. Got a little flaky there for a bit. <laughs> Thankfully, the hymn was long enough. She had time to get it. You got your composure back, right? Got, got your act back together. That, was a good, that would have been a good time to just say a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you're in need, right? And he's promised to comfort and to strength, give you strength. And the thing that you're entering into, marriage, is a blessing and that he promises to bless. So you have every confidence he hears your prayer and he's going get, to get you through it, right? Yeah. So it's a good way to pray. Um, but what we see is that God also doesn't exactly discourage prayers of unbelief. He actually wants to hear everything. But he'll take the, the expression of unbelief or doubt. And again, he uses that again to turn us back to faith. So in their case, some of them died as a consequence of that. Right? But, but he used that then to restore their trust in him. So um, on, on the one hand, I would say, think about your prayers and pray both in his name and according to his word. Um, and you'll, and for, your sake, for the sake of faith, it will actually go well for you. Right? Because you can rest confident knowing he's going to answer that prayer. Because he's promised it. Um, but on the flip side, don't be ashamed to just say, you know, here's the thing. And I'm not sure what the answer is. And those kind of prayers, the right answer is not to say, oh, it'd be better to be in Egypt. But it'd be, the right answer is to say, Lord, we're hungry and thirsty. Help us. Right? right. Um, it's not wrong to say, and, and even if it's something like this, like I, mm, I'm having trouble with school. Right? and I'm just not sure how I'm going to do on the test, and I need some help. And you don't really exactly have a word of God that he's going to help you through that, right? Yeah. Not exactly, right? Yeah. Um, but but you, you can then use that as an opportunity. Pray those words. I don't know if you, I don't know if you even care. Right? But here's the thing. And then, you know, show me in your word. Help, you know, strengthen me in your promise. Give me patience and strength um, to accomplish whatever your will is, you know? Yeah. Right, and that, that, those, doubt, those moments of doubt, the right answer is to say, yeah. I will be done. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. yeah, if he hasn't told you explicitly, like, um, well, I don't know, your sins are forgiven, <laughs> or um, you will not die, but you will live and see, see me again, you know, that kind of thing. Those are explicit promises, and it's like, okay, rest confident in that. But if he hasn't given you a direct answer, it's still fair enough to just say, I will be done. Right. You know? 
And we do this with prayers for healing. I don't know if you've noticed this. We'll say, heal them according, you know, heal them. Right. Or give them strength to accept their affliction with grace or confidence or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Meaning, either heal them now or heal them then. The then being the resurrection. Right. And so it wasn't in my manuscript, the thing I'd written down, but I did say it. As I said, um, how did I say it? That on the last day, he, he answers every prayer. I think that's how I said it. Did you catch that? Yeah. Hmm. Until the day when he answers every prayer. Yeah, right. Which is the, the day of resurrection. Yeah. Right. Sin is over. You know, death is overcome. All wickedness, all evil. Everything we ask for in the Lord's Prayer is ours. It's right. hmm? And that's his promise. So it's going to happen. So, But we're impatient. We want it to happen now. Give it all and give it to me now. The people in the wilderness were... He promised them a lamb flowing with milk and honey. They're just not there yet. And they're like, hmm. Yeah, I know, but we should be really sympathetic with those, that crowd. Because that's exactly how we are. Grumble, 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 grumble. You know, oh, Lord, why'd you give us this school and this pastor? And then why, why is there such a building and it takes so much money to take care of it all? You know, like, I gave you a church and a school and a pastor and teachers and students and what's your problem people we're only grumping because we don't want to actually have any responsibility for those things because along with the gift comes the responsibility to care for the gift we call that stewardship so that's I know people talking about like I'm going to workshop this idea with you because you know you're friendly people and I think things through through conversation in my hands, apparently. Um, I have finishing bite too. All right. Um, one of the one of the challenges that faces us uh, faces the congregation in July, especially starting in July, is that the congregation passed a new budget that actually has a weekly increase of need of twenty percent. It wasn't exactly said that way when it was put before the congregation, and only about 30 people from the congregation were at the meeting that voted for it. So what I'm looking at is saying, hmm, so the congregation in one way or another had committed to this budget, right, through the calling of another teacher that was going to increase the budget. Yeah, and that that was agreed upon. That had been talked about for the last year, that this is nothing new. It's not surprising. Can't, I mean, I don't think you can fairly just say, oh, I didn't know that it was going to cost us more money to have another teacher. Like, what world do you live in? No. Nobody works for free. No. No. And actually, our teachers work for relatively uh, a bit as compared to what the district would, you know, what the scale is for our, our teachers in our church. Or what, like, to work at random or see your group. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, plus, plus, they, plus they have a 12-month contract. It's not like they get the summer off. Yeah. They get four weeks of vacation, that's it. So, um, you know, they're working for... This is why people were surprised I took the call. Actually, they told me. Really? And surprised that, that Marla took the call to be the next, be another teacher here. Um, she had advantages. Her husband has a well-paying job, and she lives in Cascade. So, uh, she was driving to Milwaukee, so it makes sense, oh, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but still, you have to, we, I think we need to recognize the sacrifice that the teachers and other staff are making to make this work. But even so, I'm looking at it and saying 20% increase. Well, I mean, that's a gift to us. We, ex- we asked for a teacher. We got a teacher. Right. And along with that comes responsibility to care for that teacher. Right. Yep. And 
how are we going to do it? I don't exactly know. Um, and the problem being hmm, that it's not one person's responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility. Right. So the problem with it being everybody's responsibility is that could mean everybody does their part or could mean nobody does their part because they think somebody else is going to do it because yeah. no. we've distributed it. Yeah, so just thinking that through a little bit. How to communicate that in a way that's like, okay, with the passing of the new budget, we're asking you increase your offerings 20%. Or more, actually, because we're running a deficit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And now you have two, you're a dual income household. Look at that. You have all this surplus money, one house, all that kind of stuff. That was sarcasm, just in case you're. Yeah. All right, good. I know. I know exactly what you're saying because. Oh yeah, you've lived it. You've lived it. Uh huh. All right. So look at this. Look at this. Let's dig in. Page thirty-one. Our Lord teaches us to pray in His name. Prayer in Jesus' name begins with God speaking and our listening. This sounds very familiar. Disciples are taught to pray by our Lord as He teaches them in the Lord's prayer. Oh, I think we talked about that. The prayer of sonship and faith. Oh, it's good to see my uh, sermon actually confirmed by somebody else. But I didn't, I didn't give you this quote in the sermon. I gave you Norman Nagel, but this is helpful. Ken Corby, who's deceased now, he taught at St. Louis for a little bit. As human beings learn to talk by listening to others around them, so liturgical prayer must be learned by listening to our Father, to the word addressed to us, and to the company of the family of God among whom we live. Where the, that lively, life-giving word is received in the heart of faith, the, the prayer that is conversation with God happens. Mm-hmm. Or also Dietrich Bonhoeffer there. Not the poverty of our heart, but the richness of God's word ought to determine our prayer. So we caught, we caught this towards the end of the sermon, hopefully, that everything we were doing today was prayer. Yeah. And that needs to be said, because I think we forget, people think of this, they use that word worship, yeah. which is a way of abstracting, unintentionally, abstracting it to be something other than prayer. Right? But for Lutherans in particular, um, we're very concerned that everything we say in there is in accord with God's word. That if we sing, it's what God's word says. If we pray, like formal prayer, it's praying according to God's word. If we speak, it's God's word. If, if we hear preaching or teaching, it's, and again, accord with God's word. And all of that together, responding to God with his word then, that's, that's what prayer is. So in a sense, those are the, that is the prayer of the church, what we did today. Which is one of the reasons why I'm a little bit hesitant to be all super creative all the time. Some can't. You can. But the problem is, if that's prayer, then you need to come knowing and being confident that what you're you're saying in there is actually God's word. And that it's... So that it's prayer according to faith. But if I ask you to say and and do things that you've never done before without any instruction, without any demonstration that it is according to God's word... Where does I put you? You're like, I said these words, but I'm not actually sure that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you're, now your faith is full of doubt because you don't... I mean, maybe it is God's word. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is, is that uh, it needs to be demonstrated to you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why we spent all that time, probably two weeks, three weeks, talking through the liturgy. Yeah. I think it was... Was it two weeks or three weeks? I don't know. Yes. Just so you could see God's word, God's word, God's word, God's word. This is what God has said, and we respond to him with his word. We don't make up anything. I mean, we're creative in the way we speak God's word back to him. We might use new expressions or we might put things together that he doesn't necessarily put next to each other. Um, but it's not, there's nothing new. 
And if you hear something new in church, then you're supposed to, your ears should perk up. I don't know how you do that, Tom. Oh, like a dog, right? Yeah. I never thought about that expression. I always do this for perk up. Open your ears. But actually, it would be up. Like, uh, we're going to have to dog sit my, my uh, sister-in-law's dog. That's a, a German Shepherd. And had and got you know they you know they have to clip yeah, the ears I have, I have if you're purebred right yep. to, yeah so that they stand up yep. perky perky anyway perk up your ears and listen right and um, so I love the way he said it here you know first it starts with the Lord the, the our Father which I said in the sermon you start that from baptism right just from birth basically new birth and then we listen to the word as it's addressed to us and we listen to the way that the Christians around us pray. Right. So confessing the creed, I've said it, I didn't say it today, I think. No, I did say it today. I can't remember when I say it and when I don't. But that we shall love for one another by confessing the creed out loud. Because that word then coming from our lips goes into other people's ears. And that was a prayer too. I believe, that's a, yeah, we call it a confession of faith. But you're saying to God, I believe that what you've told me is true. You've, you've revealed yourself as the Father and as the Son and the Holy Spirit. You've revealed this work. And I confess that to be true, which is a great prayer. It's actually, I was trying to think as we were praying it, which is bad because then I get messed up and I say the wrong words, but sometimes I get, if you haven't noticed. Uh, was the Lord, is the, excuse me, is the creed, is that a prayer of thanks, a prayer of praise, or is it, or is it petitions asking? Are we asking for something? I don't think it's, I don't think they're petitions asking. We're not asking for faith because we're saying I have faith. So is it praise or thanks? Or both? I think it's both. Yeah, yeah I think it's praise. Um, so sometimes we sing the creed. I don't know if that's in your way. Sometimes we sing the creed. Um, and one of the, well, it's called the, the sung creed of the church is called the Te Deum, which just means in Latin. What? Oh God. Yeah, Te Deum. We praise you and acknowledge you, O oh God, to be the one. Heaven and earth uh, worships you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anyway, it's in the afternoon, evening, or no, it's in the morning service that we pray, not when we have the Lord's Supper, which will, that will come back here in middle of June, because we're, we're having Lord's Supper every Sunday through Easter. Anyway. So on Trinity Sunday, we won't. But Trinity Sunday, we'll have long confessions of the creed, both the Athanasian creed, and then we'll also sing the Te Deum, which is another creed. Don't tell anybody we're going to do two creeds <laughs> on the same Sunday. <laughs> they won't know the second one's a creed because we no. sing it. Right. So they won't be thinking about it. Mm, praise and thanksgiving, which is another way of praying. Right. So sometimes we say prayer is narrowly asking. Intercession, petitions, right? Mm, for our needs or whatever. But including in prayer, included in prayer is praise. So we can say prayers of praise and prayers of thanksgiving. Mm. Lord, you have promised to bless, uh, bless us with the estate of marriage. Thank you for giving marriage to John. I, mean, I think we actually prayed that at your wedding. A prayer like that, a prayer of thanksgiving. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to start over. I said it. You said it. I do, I do. I pronounce you. Husband and wife, husband and wife. That's Princess Bride. Is it Princess Bride?
Say it. Husband and wife. Husband and wife. And then I remember what Wesley, how did he correct her later on? Did you say I do? Anyway, it's funny. Because like as if the words are the thing. But anyway. Um, boldness and confidence. Talked about that in the sermon too. I was just quoting, as your children asked of your father. That's Luther from the Catechism. Boldness and confidence, right? That, that's the kind of prayer that people want to pray. I'm not saying that you're not coming from a place of terror, anxiety, worry, need, right? That you're, but that your prayer is... If it's grounded on God's word, then you can say, this is most certainly true. Amen. At the end. So, by the way, I said this in Bible class. I didn't say this to you. Uh, I said it to the confirmants, too. I say it to everybody I can. So I'm saying it to you now. Um, If it's appropriate for you to say amen, say amen. We did talk about this. Because you asked me if you could say it during, during the sermon. No, you didn't. Somebody no, else did. No, I didn't. Somebody asked, oh, can you say amen during a sermon? I'm like, yeah, you can. Why not? If you agree with what you just heard, if you know it's true, say amen. So if I say depart in peace, you say? Amen. No, you don't. You, I don't even hear it. It's, mm-hmm. oh. I'm talking at the, at the communion rail. You don't say it because you're not up there. No, I'm not. No, you don't. I don't know. Yeah. Say the bottom. Well, you say well, I thought about it today. I said, okay, I got these silly screens. I should use this. I should, I should put the communion instructions up there. Say, the body of Christ, amen. The blood of Christ, amen. Depart in peace, amen. You know, just say amen. And say it like you mean it. I mean, like, why, why this, why this uh, half-hearted, you know? Because we say the creed like we mean it, even though, as we all know, we're kind of wishy-washy on it, actually. We're not so sure, but we know, he's, we know the Bible says it. But like, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit... Uh, Lord and give her life. I'm not what's this all begotten of the Father from eternity. I don't even know what I'm talking about. And but we say it like we mean it because God's word reveals it, and by speaking it, it's not magic. It's the Holy Spirit who's been promised and attached to God's word and to then to our prayers, to our baptism, that works faith by the saying of it. So that's why we teach children to say our father. Not because they actually believe that he's their father although we b- believe that they do believe. Um, but that with that word then comes faith. Uh, so, actually we were reading um, Ezekiel in the class this morning. And that's what God likens our life apart from him to be like. Like a child who was born who's not even, they don't even clean the meconium off, they just put him out in the wilderness to die. Right? And then he comes along and he finds them, washes them of the blood, blood stone, washes them, clothes yeah. them, nurtures them, sustains them to life, clothes them, and then marries them, actually, in Ezekiel. So the, so the church is Christ's bride. Right. Oh, you know how you know that. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <Yeah. laughs> That's an Old Testament picture. It's Ezekiel. It's Isaiah as well. And it's in Hosea. So, uh, hmm, why do I bring all that up? I don't know. But, but prayer. Prayer. Pray in God's name. Pray confidently and boldly. Uh, there's many petitions to the Lord's Prayer. Like I said, we sang it today. So that's always a great way, if you can't remember which petition is which, is to memorize the hymn. <laughs> that doesn't really help you. Uh, because unfortunately, what was that? Our Father who in heaven above. What number was that? Anybody remember? Do you have your bulletin? Yeah, I do. It's the hymn of the day. Yeah, sounds easy. 
I have the music in my head. Uh, it doesn't actually correspond to the petition. So, for example, our fatherhood, the, your, that's not necessarily true. It does co- correspond. Our Father who art in heaven, that's the first petition, right? Yeah. How's the first petition? Go. Our Father who art in heaven. Is that a petition? Is that actually asking for something? Or is it more of a statement of fact? I'm getting out my catechism here. It's more of a statement, yeah. I think so. Uh, that's the introduction. So, okay, I am confused. I am right. So, hallowed be your name, which is the first petition, is in the hymn, the second stanza. So it's offset by one. Yeah. Sorry. So you could say, oh, like it. Because there's eight, there's nine stanzas, an introduction and a conclusion. So that means stanza eight is the seventh <coughs> petition. From evil, Lord, deliver us. The times and days are perilous. That's a, I'm actually going to use Luther's hymn because it teaches the catechism. Uh, you can read what's in here too on your own. But let's, let's do it through the hymn because we just sang it. Why not, right? Uh, and Luther actually catches all the details I think we need to do. All right, so second stanza, your name be hallowed, help us, Lord. To keep something holy or hallowed is to what? You know, something that is holy. What do we call holy things? What are holy? Who are the... What's that? No, it's all right. To be holy. Do you know the definition of that? Have I not taught you that yet? Or do you not remember because it's been so long? All right, is there such a thing, John, as holy water? No, it's blessed. What makes the, is the water holy? No. 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 What, what is holy then about baptism? God's word. God's word is the natural water. That's right. Okay. Um, how about the bread and wine in the sacrament? Is it holy in and of itself? No. No. Why is it holy? Because God sets it apart. By his word, this is my body, this is my blood. Um, the office of the ministry, is your pastor holy? Answer, no. But the office I serve in is holy because he's taken me apart, set me apart and said, you serve these people. Mm-hmm. I'm not holy enough of myself. I can tell you that's absolutely true. But um, given that I preach and teach according to God's word, then that is holy because it's, it's God's word. So the essential fact with, with holy is that it's set apart for a particular use or purpose. Right. Right? So how is God's name kept holy or sacred or hallowed? When it's used the way that God wants it to be used. Yeah. When you call upon his name in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Not when it's used to curse, swear, use Satan, no, guard, slide, deceive. Right. No, right. you know, God damn you, that would be yeah. inappropriate. Well, it's, it's truth and purity. Truth and purity, that's right. So impurity... Second stanza, to keep your word. Do you want a hymnal or do you just want me to read it? I'll just read it because I don't have a hymnal for you. Um, that to the glory of your name, we walk before you free from blame. Let no false teaching us pervert. All poor deluded souls convert. So what's God's name for? For preaching, for teaching, for prayer, right? Yeah. To keep us free from blame, to call upon him in every need, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it's for worship. You hear that even in, in the way that Luther confesses it here which is really beautiful. Um, second petition is, your kingdom come. Yep. Mm-hmm. Guard your domain and your eternal righteous reign. All right. Where's God's kingdom? I'm looking for it. Where is it? Jesus' is kingdom. Yeah. He's the king, right? Yeah. All right. 
Where does he king? He's everywhere. Where does he reign? Right here. Right here? You said everywhere. Does he reign everywhere? Yeah. Well, he fills the earth. That's true. But when we say his kingdom, we mean specifically, he means. Hmm? Hmm? True. And? Mm-mm. Doesn't rule over hell. That's all right. That's the devil's kingdom. On earth where his word is. Right. Where he is. Mm. But he does call the earth the devil's kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, I'm kind of like, mm. A church is like an embassy. This is God's kingdom, even though we're surrounded by the devil's kingdom. Ever think about that one? No. Mm. It's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Another, another um, picture the uh, ancient church used was that the church, we talked about this with baptism, it's an ark. Think about the ark. What did the ark do? What was the purpose of the ark? Arky, arky. What was the purpose? Why, why did they need a boat? If they didn't have a boat, what was going to happen? Yeah, they died. So God promised to Noah... He's, and he even gave him building plans, design. Here's how you build an ark. Why? Because they never actually built a boat before. Not, the, not like that. It never rained, so, you know, there were springs, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, the ark, well, the ark is a safe, secure refuge in the midst of storms and seas and all that. Right? And so that's a picture of the church as well. Right, where you're safe, kept safe. We said this with baptism last week for silence. Um, grant that he be kept safe and secure in the holy ark of the church. Yeah. yeah so it's that picture. Um, so his kingdom is where his word and, and really his sacrament, which is his word attached to a sign, right? To water, bread, wine, pastor speaking, that kind of thing. Um, that's where he is. That's where he's promised to be. That's, you know for sure his kingdom is here. Again, remember we talked about, as we were just saying with prayer, you can pray anything you want to pray. But the prayer that's confident and sure, that's bold and confident, is the prayer that's grounded in his word. So it's the same thing with his presence. You say, well, is Jesus everywhere? Yeah, he is. But if you go to the top of, of Mount Everest this week, people were doing, and you say, is God present at the top of Mount Everest? Sure. Except people dying because they had a traffic jam, too many climbers, and then the storms come, you know, and it's like yeah. they get stuck on top of the mountain and they die. Yeah, this happens. Yeah, it was in the news. You can read about it. Apparently, yeah, you got to be careful how many people you send up. Because <laughs> if, they, if they back up then, and they can't keep moving, it's too cold, etc. So, is God there? Yeah. Saving, preserving, keeping. Saving, preserving, keeping faith. No, the God you meet there is what Luther calls the hidden God. Um, God who can't get your head around. It's like, how would he, I mean... Why would he allow people to climb a mountain to just to die? Yeah, yeah, that's not a God who comforts. Yeah, it's the same God, um, but that's that's why God has revealed Himself to us in His Son, and He wants us to only look to His Son because in His Son we see safety, security, comfort, peace, hope, forgiveness, life, salvation, right? Yeah, and in nowhere else. And if we try to find God anywhere else, yeah. Yeah. so, but we ask that his kingdom come. Has, has he promised to bring his kingdom about? Yeah, absolutely. Has he promised a church on earth? Absolutely. Has he promised to grow and preserve his church? Yes, according to his will. Um, our problem is that we don't believe that. 
And that, ha- that spins out in a couple of different ways, I think. One is, we think that if we don't do something, then the church is going to fail. It's like, hmm, that's not actually what the Bible says. He says he makes and preserves his church. Your congregation might fail, <laughs> yeah. and that's your own damn fault. But um, that doesn't mean the church has failed. Also, uh, let's see, so we're talking about kingdom coming. Um, his kingdom does come through us, but we don't believe that. So we pray in the petition that, that we would recognize this, that we would see it, that we would believe it, that he's, what we're doing here today is as simple and maybe even kind of boring or routine as it seemed, is actually God bringing about a kingdom, bringing people into his fellowship, right? You're, you're here. Right? That's the example. Sorry to make you an example, but you are. All right. So kingdom come, guard your domain and your eternal righteous reign. So you're right about heaven. And then we would just say that the church is heaven on earth. So we get a picture of heaven as he, I mean, the thing is, have you died and risen with the Lord already? Do you live in heaven? Do you live with Christ forever? Not yet. Not yet. And you already do because you're baptized. Yeah, yeah, so there's this, uh, what are they called? Uh, I'm thinking of the technical term. Okay, I just want to say it because it'll blow your mind and then you'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, inaugurated eschatology. Yeah, it's a technical theological thing. It basically means the kingdom of God is already now and yet it, it's begun, but we haven't seen it reach its culmination yet. So it's already true. You're a child of God, you'll live forever. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. The kingdom has, has come. He rules. That's true. From our perspective below, from, from, from this time and from space, we see it only incompletely. Or as Paul says, in a shat, as a mirror dimly or like a shadow. Yeah. But it's still true, even though we don't see it. So I think we talked about this with the liturgy. That like we say some pretty extraordinary things. You hear them sung with saints and angels and the whole host of heaven with angels and archangels. Um, those words mean that as you're gathered around the altar, as you're in the sanctuary today, saints and angels, host of heaven, all the deceased that lay in their graves were there with you at that altar. And you say, I don't see it. Yeah. But the Bible says, believe it. See how that works? So seeing, not believing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or see, seeing isn't believing. Believing is hearing, actually. Uh, although I would suggest that someday when, you, when you're planning to die, no, when you're, <laughs> when you're planning the, your estate for when you die, <laughs> that was funny, um, that maybe you'd say, hmm, pastor, how would you think about this? Um, I'd like to give however many tens of thousands of dollars or whatever you've got like in a life, poli- life insurance policy. We'll just say that. Because um, I'd like to have, I think we should paint some angels. We should have angels and gold foil and things or something around the altar. Let's have angel, or angel statues. I know you came from Rome, so you like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right? There's so many angels, you get, they're, they're coming out of your ears. Yeah. But we have none, right? It's like, there, there's the ditch. You get like, yeah, there's yeah. angels in every corner, or there's just no angels. Like, why can't we kind of go in the middle where there's at least some, right? Thanks. Yeah, there's some angels. Or something like that. I mean, because people aren't just... Yeah, they also were visual learners too. You know? So how we decorate the church actually confesses not only what we believe, but what we'd like to teach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of the super sparse, like minimal church. Because it's like, that's what your faith is? Super sparse and minimal? Yeah. No, it's rich. It's full. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. So be beautiful in church. All right. So kingdom, uh, we, the, with gifts attendant on our way, what are the gifts that the Holy, Ge- Holy Ghost enriches our day with in God's kingdom? His Holy Spirit gives us faith to believe his word, right? It gives us gifts. What kind of gifts? Do you get presents? No. Yes, you do. Your baptism, yeah, forgiveness of sins. He gives us Christ yeah, as our gift. All right. That's all right. I'm just giving you a hard time. Break Satan's power. Defeat his rage. Preserve your church from age to age. So we're actually, when we say your kingdom come, we're actually asking that his church be preserved as well. Which isn't, isn't actually in the explanation in the small catechism, but it, yeah. it's brought out in the hymn from Luther. Which, by the way, the hymn came before the catechism. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm pretty confident of that. Nah, see, now that I say it, maybe I'm not. All right. Kingdom come. Your will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. Right. That is the prayer of the sacrament of the altar, in my opinion. Because Christ, is he in heaven? Yes. Is he on earth? Yes, where? Where he's promised to be in his body and blood in the sacrament of the altar. So when we pray the Lord, that's why we always pray the Lord's Prayer when we have the Lord's Supper. Always, without exception. People say, oh, you prayed it at the baptism. So what? Actually, Luther in the Catechism, um, not here under the Lord's Prayer, but under the daily prayers, section 2, listen to this. In the morning when you get up, make the sign of the Holy Cross and say... In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, baptism, right? Then, kneeling or standing, repeat the creed in the Lord's Prayer in the morning. And then say this prayer, if you like. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right? Evening. When you go to bed, make the sign of the Holy Cross, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, standing or kneeling, say the creed in the Lord's Prayer. Wait a minute, twice a day we're going to say the Lord's Prayer? Yes. And then say, I thank you, my Heavenly Father, the evening version. All right? Then, uh, before your meal, uh, where's, where's, oh no, asking a blessing. All right. As the head of the household, say the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. However, I prayed it. Right. Yeah. Open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Psalm one forty five. Again, a good prayer because it's God's word. Not the word. Yeah. Then shall be said the Lord's prayer and the following. Okay. So now, how many times are we at the Lord's prayer now? Three. For each meal, you have three meals. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't. All right. Let's say you have two meals. Are you a three meal a day person? One meal a day. All right, so maybe somewhere between three and five. Okay, unless you have second breakfast, that would be six. Okay, all right. Returning thanks. Ready? After eating, say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good and steadfast love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. Psalm 136 and 147. Then shall be said the Lord's Prayer and the following. All right, so now we're at four to... So it's not lost track. Eight, something like that, right? Pray in the Lord's Prayer before and after your meal. All right. So somewhere between, somewhere, yeah, somewhere between four to eight times a day. And, and, and he also instructs, not here, but I think in the large catechism, whenever you're, whenever um, you're in fear, whenever you have need, whenever you're worried, pray the Lord's Prayer. So depending on what happens throughout your day, you may be 12, 15 times. I, I did this habit in Indiana because I lived down the street from a hospital. Mm-hmm. It was just a mile up the road, or two miles up the road. And we were on a, kind of a large road, so 
People drove by all the time. Oh, did I eat that rest of that? I did. Okay. I'm just so hungry. Good. Um, it's, almost, it's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. Um, that when the ambulances drove by, because they did all the time, um, that I'd stop, make a sign of the cross, pray the Lord's Prayer, and then ask a blessing upon whoever's in the ambulance. Oh, wow. He's like, well, really? He's like, well, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Yeah. And do they need my prayer? Absolutely. Has God promised to hear my prayer? Yeah. Um, has he promised healing? <laughs> yeah. If not now, in the resurrection. Right? Yeah. Saying, oh, well, only sometimes? No. He's not arbitrary like that. No. Ever, yeah. And actually, even unbelievers receive the resurrection. It's just not going to go very well after that. Do you ever notice that in the Bible? Have we talked about that? Okay. Resurrection of the body, or in the one creed, resurrection of the dead. All the dead. Um, there are some Christians. I probably bump into them. And maybe you're one of them, but don't be. I believe in what's called annihilationism or something like that, which just basically means you die, you just end. You're nothing. You go into the one or you go into the ground. And, and there's no existence after death. And the Bible is very clear about this. Everybody is raised from the dead. Some, those who believe to eternal life and those who do not to eternal judgment. So this is the really terrible thing. If you want to talk about hell, which I generally don't very much because... I'm talking to believers, but if you need a little bit of threat, I mean, hell isn't just like some kind of like soulless or bodiless kind of just like, oh, torture kind of. It's in your body. So think about the worst kind of punishments that you could receive in your body. Cancer, sickness, death, and then say I'm experiencing that eternally. You're like, oh. Which also then means that when somebody is suffering those things, you can say that's hell on earth. I mean, I don't know we kind of casually throw that out, yeah. but it's actually true. If you're experiencing the ways that, the, that, that sin has corrupted this world and this life, mm-hmm. you're experiencing a taste of hell. But not again to your judgment. Again, as believers, right. saying, you know, uh, remove this from me, but not my will, but your will be done. I mean, Jesus experienced actually real hell, as, yeah. as full, fully hell on earth as, as anyone. Actually, it was hell. Because you even pray from the cross, Father. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is a way of saying, I'm in hell. Yeah. Right. Because that, that, by definition, that's what hell is. God has abandoned you forever. And imagine then what all the thing, what everything, what does God's abandonment of creation and of you personally look like? What would that look like? Think about the things that you suffer in this world and then just say God didn't stop any of them. Mm-hmm. Hurricanes, storms, thunder, right. Right. lightning. Floods, tempest, and then bodily sickness, death, leprosy, all the things in the Bible you hear about. Cancer, you know, migraines, chronic migraines, says my father. Yeah. Imagine that with no restraint. There's no restraint at all. And there's no healing arts, and there's no medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So you say, oh, oh. And, and again, the only reason I would say any of that is to say, is to turn it and say, oh, but you have a heavenly father. You have a creator and father. Creator has promised to care for your father who loves you in all things and has promised to hear your prayers and answer them. Right? So no worries. No worries. Even if you experience a taste of that now, it's not, it's not eternal hell for you. Right? It's only for the sake of faith. Right? Because we're not so good at believing. That's a joke. We're not good at believing at all. What were you going to say? No, there's not. No, I've actually had, I've had people say, whatever. Right. You're like, okay, let me explain this to you again. No, that's all right. I don't 
Well, or they just say, I don't think that's true. I don't think, I don't think, why would God do that? It's like, well, first and foremost, he didn't do it for you. Because hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Not for you. Um, The only reason you would go there is because you damn well want to. That's it. Like, why would I want to do that? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's a free gift. It's not that complicated. Or as my newsletter article, which you'll read. Did you get your copy? No. Yeah, get out of your box. says, um, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple. Just believe. Mm, It's not easy. (laughs) Why? Yeah. Yeah, because it requires faithfulness unto death and and to actually believe in the face of challenges and, and whatnot. So anyway, we say... Um, let us no false teaching pervert, all poor deluded souls convert. So I think it's a beautiful way to say it, poetic form. You know, keep us from unbelief and from doubt. Bring your kingdom about among us with your holy word. Preserve us from doubt and unbelief. And uh, actually convert those who do not believe. As in, Luther includes it here in the hymn, it's not in the catechism. Yeah, it's beautiful. All right. Your gracious will, I think we can do the Lord's Prayer today. Your gracious will on earth be done as it is done before your throne. Right? Mm-hmm. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Thy, that patiently we may obey throughout our lives all that you say, curb flesh and blood and every ill that sets itself against your will. Beautiful. That's po- poetry. Right? And in the, in the um, third petition it goes, God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not, first petition... Want us to hallow God's name, second petition, or let his kingdom come. Uh-huh. And then there's the positive, when he strengthens and keeps us in his word and faith until we die. Right? So curb flesh, that's us, and blood, flesh and blood, and every other ill, so that's external ones, world and flesh, uh, that set themselves against God. And again, we've talked about this as, as a Christian. I want to emphasize this over and over for your sake, because I think it's a word of comfort. It is for me. That... Um, at the same time, I believe and I don't believe. At the same time, God has said, you are my child, and I say, I don't want anything to do with that. And, and I vacillate between the two. Some days I'm like, I'm happy to be your child, and other days I'm like, I'd rather just take care of things myself. I don't really need your help and assistance and, you know, and everything. Um, and that happens, in, you know, so when people say, I don't, I'm not sure I really believe, that's actually a confession of faith. Because you can't say, I'm not sure I really believe unless you know there's something to believe. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So, um, I mean, it's meant to be a comfort to you is to say it's not about the strength of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. So saving faith is faith in Christ. It's not about more or less of that. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a thing that you increase or decrease. Like, I have lots of faith today. Do you, John? You have lots of faith today. Yeah. No. The, the, the way the scripture talks, it does talk about stronger or weaker faith. A strong faith trusts in Christ, a weak faith doesn't. Yeah. It's a faith that falters and fails when, when things get tough, difficult because it's not in Christ alone. Yeah. So there is, but it's, again, it's black and white. It's not like, oh, increasing my faith. Well, I mean, there, there is language about increasing in the Bible, so I want to be careful about that. Um, but can you have more or less Jesus? Is that possible? No, but you can have, um, I think you can have more or less prayer in your life, quantitatively, right? Just the amount of it. And even qualitatively, like is the quality of your prayer, is it grounded in God's word or is it kind of weak and, you know, you don't know what? Well, yeah. Can you work at knowing God's word better? Can you work at, like, I I put out the prepare thing 
on the website where you can look at the hymns and the readings before you get here on Sunday. If you do that, it's on the website. Yeah, if you do that, you'll come better able to hear. Right? Because you will already have some acquaintance with what you're about to hear. You know, you'll come prepared for that. And same with the hymns. You're better able to sing it if you've already read the words or you've yeah. um, heard it sung by somebody else. Right. Um, so you can have, there is a quality there that benefits your faith, your trust, but your trust is either your trust or you don't. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the way to kind of na- navigate that. All right. Uh, let's see. Was there anything else in there? Da, da, da. Patiently we may obey. Uh, oh, by the way, that we patiently may obey through our lives, all that you say. Um, that is taking from the scripture, but the word for obey there, it can be translated a couple of different ways. And this is in the newsletter. You don't have a box, but there's extra ones out there. So you can grab one because I keep talking to it. Yeah, you do. We're working on like trying to change the way the boxes work instead of using numbers, actually having name badges in front of them, which make a lot more sense because then we can move you around. Yeah. Uh, it's just figuring out how to mechanically do that. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, newsletter. Tereo, obey. What is it to obey all things that the Lord has commanded? I actually translated it differently. Because that word can mean guard or keep. Right? So like, when, when we sang the hymn today, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. The, that's the same scripture that says, Lord, um, we obey your steadfast word. You say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean the same thing to me, does it, to you? To obey and to keep something? Because keep is like... Yeah, the, the word in Luke's gospel is when Mary treasured these things in her heart. You could translate that Mary obeyed these things in her heart. It's the same word. Did she? No, she treasured them. She stored them up. So to obey God's word is to receive and to keep it. Because by keeping God's word in your ears, in your heart, by the Spirit's work... It does work out in, in fruit. We've talked about that. Good tree bears good fruit. Mm-hmm. That's the Holy Spirit's job to do God's word in you. <laughs> um, it's not to say that Christians don't obey. They do, but not by their strength or power, but by the Spirit's work and his alone. Right? And uh, too many Christians want to, they want to have a little bit more cooperation. Like, I want to be a part of that. I want to, I want to collaborate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, why would you want to do that? Because you want some credit. You can say, God, thank you for what I did. And God's saying, wait a minute, I did that. You're my instrument. You're like, a, you know, you're like the hockey stick. You're not, you're not the skater and you're not the, you're not the one who swung the stick. I, I swung the stick and happened to hit the puck. You know? But that, I'm... That's a bad analogy, but you get the idea. Instrument, or you know, it's like it's like the scriptures. Actually, would be a good example of this. The the evangelists don't take credit for what they wrote. Paul doesn't take credit for what he wrote. He even tells Timothy, I think it is, or it's Titus, perhaps, you know, that everything I wrote was a gift of the Holy Spirit. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit, meaning He gave me the words to say, like not through like I went into a trance and but God gets all the credit for all that I wrote that's been received as scripture, as God's word. So this is the problem. When somebody, I'm coming out of church on Sunday, Pastor, it was a really great sermon. I can say, yeah, I, I did a great job, didn't I? Well, that sounds kind of conceited. So let's not say that, right? Um, I, could, I could say, I, no, you're welcome. But even saying you're welcome is kind of, this is what I do, unfortunately, because I'm like everybody else. 
your welcome is still a way of saying, yeah, I put in some work and I, I'm thankful that you're appreciative of that. Um, whereas the proper response for me would be, thanks be to God, glory to God in the highest, to God be the glory, different ways of saying it, you know, yeah. wow. Yeah, if it weren't for God, I'd, that, no, that would have happened. Something like that. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just being like mock humble, but it, it's giving thanks where thanks is due. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I didn't do that. I don't know where that came from. As a matter of fact, I whipped it out in way too short a period of time. You know, a lot took a lot less time than it. It usually takes me to write something down. But if I don't write something down, then you don't want to hear what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> it ends up being like this. Can you imagine a sermon that's like this class? And then people will be like... Yeah. What just happened to us? It was 45 minutes. Right, yeah. It just kept going. And I was like, I thought he was done 15 times. And he just kept going again. He started something. <laughs> yeah. I like doing this, though, because it's, it's interactive. All right. Curb flash. We talked about that. Okay. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread includes everything needed, right, for the, for the support of, the, of your body and life. Is that right? Is that how we say it? Support and needs of the body. And not, yeah, body and life. All right. So then he lists all sorts of things. Because children need to know. Is that included in daily bread? Yes. Is that included in daily bread? Yes. yes. Right? So yep. food, shoes, shoes, clothing. They're like, well, what about my pet dog? Yes. yes. Daily bread. Do you need a dog? Man's best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw John Wick 3, chapter 3, yeah. uh, it's very testosterone. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's just, it's pretty much just like kill people from start to finish and then fast with lots of noise. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So I'm like, oh, that was kind of rough. So I just needed a break and, and, and didn't mind going, surprisingly. Uh, so then we started going back and watching the first movie, which is much more slow and patient. And it gets there eventually, but it doesn't start there because it's chapter three. So, so you, it's too much. Yeah, so I had, like, okay, fine, we'll go back. So I watched an hour of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's about him and his dog. And they killed his dog. That's where it started. Oh. I, I know I spoiled it, but I mean, the poor guy... And I won't tell you why the dog matters so much to him. I mean, you, you can understand it even if you don't know the context of yeah. the importance of this dog. But yeah, they killed his dog. And that's what started basically a full-scale international war among these, this crime syndicate, basically. Anyway, which is chapter three. But, um, yeah, dogs are good. What are we talking about? Oh, yes. Save us from hardship, war, and strife. In plague and famine, spare our life, right? So daily bread means I need food, I need shelter, I need protection, I need safety, I need, I need those to die for me that um, can protect me from international, you know, from, from in war. So good to remember that this weekend. Um, that we in honest peace may live and care and greed no entrance give. Which is really important that Luther mentions that, um, is that one of the reasons we pray for daily bread so that, as he says, we realize this and give thanks. Well, why would we want to realize this and give thanks? Because if we think God isn't providing for us, then what will happen? Not only are we doubting God's providence, or his providing, that's what that word means, but we also, that's where greed, covetousness comes in. Because we think we don't have everything we need. And so he has us pray, give us this day our daily bread, because... We don't believe that he actually does that. And then that's where sin enters in. Okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So that's how he ends the stanza. He says, to care and greed, no entrance give. Like, oh, I need so much more stuff. Or, you know, I need my neighbor's stuff. You know? Yeah. And you know how this is. I mean, you just... 
I mean, I lived a long time with a really low pastor salary. Um, and now, now the challenge for me is the opposite. Even though I'm not paid really well, I'm still paid a lot better than I was. Yeah. <laughs> if, that, if that can make any sense. Yeah, and, and when that happens, you're like, oh, ah, it's like peace, it's rest. Even though it's like still not easy, it's still like, wow, it's just so much better. But then what's the problem? Like, okay, how can I get more? How can I do more? You know, it's like, wait a minute. You've just been given a pretty incredible gift. Basically, a 50% salary increase from what you were getting paid. Even though that's 60% of scale for Wisconsin. That just blows my mind. I don't know how we were doing it. I know how we were doing it, but it wasn't easy. Um, And to say, oh, that means, but I really should have, it's 60%. I should have 100%. And then like, I need more, I need more, I need a bigger, bigger part. We got to do stuff to get more and more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, you have more. <laughs> Why are you already, already trying to get more than? Why do you want that? Yeah, I know. And this is the thing. What do we call it? Like modesty, living within your means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it is a virtue. It's a Christian. It's a Christian. It's part of the Christian ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, Luther instructs his, this way about charity and almsgiving is someone has well, Jesus, he's just reflecting on Jesus if you see your neighbor in need you take care of them like well even if they're going to squander if they're going to go buy alcohol or, yeah. it's not your problem that's right. it's this guy's problem he, he gave you resources and uh, so a friend of mine was talking about this and said that he's got a co-worker that keep, they live in St. Louis so you know it's urban so there's, there's panhandlers there's, there's at every intersection almost right same thing in Okay, in Milwaukee. Yeah. Then he goes with he goes with baggies of food. He has food ready for him. Yeah. He gives him food. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's, he comes prepared to take care of those that he yeah. might encounter, which is really a different kind of way to approach things. It's like to say, I have this, I can give to that. Uh, fasting is connected to this too, by the way. Because here, care and greed entrance gives. So what's one of the ways you can learn to not be as greedy or as caring for your stuff? is actually to not receive it, to not eat. And you say, well, you know what? I could actually skip a meal. Yeah. I, I could go with a lot less food than what I have, I mean, clearly, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, um, but we forget. And so then those, those are, that's considered an external discipline. It's not faith, but it actually does assist faith to say, oh, I can go hungry. And especially if that hunger, usually Faraday, uh, excuse me, Faraday, I actually did it. Charity and fasting go together, and I combined it into a new word called Faraday. <laughs> fasting and charity, because you fast, you didn't eat that food, so somebody else can, that's right. That's why, that, that silly thing, did you have this growing up? Eat all your food because somebody's starving? Yeah. It's like, somebody, why can't they just have my food then? Yeah. I'm not hungry. You must got to eat everything on your plate, and it's like that's not necessarily the way to show your gratefulness. That's just like leftovers. Prepare less food. Yeah. Put less on your plate. Yeah. Uh, people, things people say. It's like if you eating. I know it comes out of the Great Depression and where there really wasn't much, but anyway. All right, then forgive our sins. So forgive us our trespasses, right? Yep. Our sins, Lord, we implore that they may trouble us no more. And then we too will gladly those forgive who hurt us by the way they live. Help us in our community to serve each other willingly, right? Even if we don't like them. Even if they sin against us. Mm -hmm. And how's that going to happen? I've said this about your marriage. 
Uh, you said I've said it about the congregation. The only way any of this works is forgiveness of sins. Yeah, right. Really, you got a you got a pastor who's a sinner. You got a bunch of congregation members and leadership that are sinners. That we find many and very creative ways to sin against each other. Same thing in your family, right? Yeah. We find all sorts of ways to, <laughs> to sin against each other. And the only thing that's going to keep it together is actually to forgive. Otherwise, it's just... Yeah. Man, that's, that's divorce. Yeah. That's Can't forgive. Yeah. And I'm not saying that our, there are things that are hard, difficult, even maybe impossible to forgive. Right? And then there's also personal safety and other things involved, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with abuse and that kind of thing. Where uh, I'm, I'm saying, if it's not safe to be in that home, then don't be in that home, right? For your kids or for you, right? right. Um, and by the way, it's usually men against women, but sometimes. So you gotta take off. Okay. So yeah, if you want to look at the rest of the petitions, what do we do? Lead us to temptation, deliver us from evil. Right here in the book, it'll be good. We'll finish it up and then. Uh, Next week, we'll go on to the next one because I just don't want to hold on too long. Baptism. Will that come up? Okay? Good. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Let's see. So, forgive us. What do we say? In our community. All right. We did talk about that. Uh, Notice it's not conditional. Forgive us because we forgive others. That's how it reads in the English, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. But it... It, you, you should understand it this way. Forgive us our trespasses, and in like manner we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay. You can't forgive others unless Jesus forgives you first. So one of the reasons why hearing your sins are forgiven here, being absolved of your sins, is essential to the Christian life. Praying the Lord's Prayer, forgive us, believing that you are forgiven, um, is that that's the only means by which you actually have the ability to forgive others. Hmm. Um, you cannot forgive unless you know what it is to be forgiven. Right. There are things called forgiveness that people extend, um, and they'll even extend it to themselves. I forgive myself. But what are they saying? They're not saying it's been died for in the blood of Jesus. Right. They're saying, I'm going to forget about it, or I'm going to look the other way, or I'm going to say it wasn't that big of a deal. or mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I it's not really forgiveness. Yeah, it's not, not like no, right. nothing. nobody had to die for that. Right. Um, and uh, it's not a word that you, in the end, it's not a word that you can be confident in. Oh, like, I forgive myself. Well, what kind of absolution is that? Because like, yeah, right. the difference between I forgive myself and I just can't help myself, yeah. really small. <laughs> yeah, Timmy's yeah, saying, that's pretty profound, actually. I've never said that before, I don't think. All right, and then lead us not into temptation, Lord. Uh, does the Lord lead you into temptation? It's kind of a misleading petition, isn't it? Because Luther says, God tempts no one. Well, so what does he mean, lead us into temptation? God is not the author of evil. He's not the creator of temptation. But when we pray this petition, we're asking him um, to what? How do we say it? Guard and keep us from the temptation of the devil, the world, and our flesh. So this is how it went in the the hymn. Where our grim foe and all his horde... (laughs) Sounds so terrible. And it is would vex our souls on every hand. Help us resist. Help us to stand. Yeah. And when we say help, by the way, help us resist, help us to stand, we are saying you are our only help. You're not just another help. You are the only help against temptation. Okay. Yeah. And careful. We have to be careful with English because, uh, again, we want, to take, we want to take some credit. Well, God gave me some help and then I did it. 
You're like, no, you didn't resist temptation. God worked faith in you to resist temptation. Yeah, he took care of it. But of your own strength, you'd be like, that sounds like a really great idea. Sorry. Anyway, help us to resist. Help us to stand. Do it. Resist. Stand. Firm in the faith, a mighty host through the comfort of the Holy Ghost. There's the key. Is that how are you going to resist? How are you going to stand? How are you going to remain firm in the faith against this mighty host, the grim foe and all his horde? Through the comfort of the Holy Ghost, right? By the Holy Spirit. Working, again, where he's promised to work in his word. In his word. All right, and then... From evil, this one's fun. From evil, Lord, deliver us. The times and days are perilous. Are they terrible? Ooh. Redeem us from eternal death. And when, our, when we yield our dying breath, console us. Grant us calm release and take our souls to you in peace. So you notice that that's right out of the catechism. When our last hour comes, deliver us from this. From this. Give us a blessed end and deliver us. Graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Yeah, to himself. Right, so, um, but incidentally, you, you also catch something in there. Evil, when we say deliver us from evil, it's not this abstract, weird, like, just concept of evil. It's very particular. Evil, in the small catechism, evil. What, if he's rescuing us from and giving us eternal life, then what's the evil? No, well, it's true. Our flesh is evil, but no. Here in particular, in this petition, deliver us from an evil death. What is an evil death? Body and soul. Yeah. Keep going. And your possessions. No, not really. What, what would be an evil death versus a good death? Yeah. Oh. A good death would be to die and, as we say in the petition... Give us a blessed end and be with yourself, be with himself forever in heaven. That's a good, good death to die in faith. So an evil death would be the opposite. It's to die without faith, no faith in Christ. Yeah, deliver us from that, that we not despair, give up all hope, and forsake Jesus in the last. Um, incidentally, though, in the large catechism, he expands this out and he says, "Okay, certainly the devil's evil, and our flesh is evil, right?" So there's there's kind of a trifecta there. He's already mentioned the devil, the world, and our flesh before. Back in temptation, right? They're, they're the ten, but they're also, it's also evil. Meaning, and by evil, we don't just mean like dark and black and gross or something like that. Evil, very particularly here, it's not a philosophical term. It's contrary to God. Okay? So our flesh is contrary to God. The devil rebelled against God is contrary to God. His word is contrary to God's word. Death is contrary to God's will, which is life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why he promises that we won't ever die again. Yeah, it is. I think it is. I think it is. I like this stuff. Amen, that is, so shall it be. Amen, amen, amen. Remember, I keep saying, say amen. amen. Make strong our faith in you that we may, may doubt not, but with trust believe that what we ask we shall receive thus in your name and at your word. Oh, I think I said that in the sermon. We say amen. Hear us, O oh Lord. Yeah, amen. Right? And amen is an Aramaic word which is a dialect of Hebrew, okay. um, that just means true. <laughs> All right? What you say is true. Mm-hmm. So when we say amen, we're saying, I believe that what I just said, it, he's promised to hear and will answer. So if I say depart in peace, you're saying, yeah, that Lord's Supper that I just received is proof 
that God has overcome sin and death for me and that will receive me into heaven on the last day. In the sacrament, body and blood, yeah, because it's forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, you're joined to him. And then our confession that it's the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom that has no end, a foretaste of it, um, now it makes sense. Oh, wait a minute, at the sacrament we get like the hors d'oeuvre of heaven, in a sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, language is limited there, but you get the idea. So, amen, 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 it's good, it's good, it's good. Um, yeah, and some of that other stuff that we talked about, actually, it's all here in the book. Yeah, amen means truth. Did I say that? I did say that. So, um, it's not to say, again, that you can't pray anything, but like I said in the sermon, I think what's really helpful is, if you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. If you, if you can't find words, that's why we teach it to children. That's why we memorize it. And so that if all else fails, you know you have a prayer that asks for everything you need and has promised you body, life, salvation. You know, it's all there. God's kingdom, the church, the world, peace, health, safety, prosperity. Um, you know, it's all in that prayer. And it seems like, oh, it's so simple. Well, yeah, but it's not easy. Right? This part here, where line is the kingdom and the power mm-hmm. of the Lord forever and ever, you know what? The Catholics do not use that phrase. That's because, well, let me explain this to you, because I, met, I mentioned it earlier, but I'm glad you brought it up because yep. I wanted to cover it. Yep. Um, because that is a, what we call, a, I would call a liturgical um, innovation. Mm-hmm. It was an addition, drawing on the words of St. John, Apocalypse, Revelation. Um, in the context of the divine service. But this happens. You learn to say things in church and then you end up saying them other places too. Okay. okay? So you go to church, the pastor sings, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? And then you say, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the God. Remember how we used to always sing that? Yeah. Service three? Yeah. yeah. And then you go home and you're like, I like that last part. So I'm going to say that too. Delivers from evil, amen. Yeah, let's keep going. Delivers from evil, for thine is the kingdom of power and the glory forever and ever, amen. You see? Yeah, yeah. And so it, the life of the church then extended out into the life at home and amongst uh, us, amongst Lutherans and then others yeah. as well. Yeah. That thing that was added, it's not in the scripture. No. I mean, it's not in the, when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer to the disciples, mm-hmm. he doesn't right. use it. Yeah. Right. It just ends with delivers from evil or delivers yeah. from the evil one. Yeah. Okay. Which is not death, but it's Satan actually there. Um, and then in the church, we would have... Kind of just, it's kind of like just brightening it up then. No, I don't think so. I think it's different than that. No, I mean, it does, but that's not really the point. The point is this. We pray the Lord's Prayer. And then praying, we respond with praise and thanksgiving. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's, a, that's an acclamation of praise. That's a response to the petitions that he's had us pray. You know, for, for what? Everything. Daily bread. Yeah. Forgiveness. For right. deliverance from temptation and from evil. Right. For kingdom and for name and for word. Yeah. So, um, yeah. part of me likes the idea of dropping that when we pray it. Yeah. Um, and part of me is like, mm, that cart, that, that horse is out of the barn. So let's just leave it. Because yep. there's no reason to fight it. Yeah. But I'll happily pray it the Catholic way with the Catholic and then pray it that way with others. Yeah. Uh, so, so what I was thinking, I was starting to say it earlier, is that maybe what I need to do to help kids with this, because one of the reasons we sing the Lord's Prayer is 
Why? Why would I sing the Lord's Prayer? So that you'd remember it. That's why we sing things. So that, I mean, they can do this. Why do I sing the words of institution? Same reason. So if I ask kids, what are the words of institution? They're like, but if I say, our Lord Jesus Christ, they can already say, on the night when he was betrayed, took friend. Yeah, and they're like, oh, okay. Now we know it. By the, by the music, the music and the words. People say, oh, do you have to really sing it? No, I don't have to sing it. But by singing it, Right. The it's kids easy. are learning it. That's right. And actually, adults are too. Same thing. Our <laughs> Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yep. Find service three. Thy kingdom come. Did you learn to sing it that way? Yep. Oh. Huh. Mm-hmm. In school? Mm-hmm. Really? I guess who does? To sing it. Did she? Yep. Because it, it's here in service three, but it's also at the back. And... Uh, Again, it's just a great way to learn it. Um, so I think I need to teach them to sing it. And if you sing it with me, that's fine. I don't care if the kids sing the words of institution with me. I'm singing, Oh Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds very similar. I'm trying to see if it's in here. Oh yeah, it's right here. This is the, this is the it's, it's not pointed like a chant, it's pointed like a hymn. But it's still the chant, it's just in. Our Father who art in heaven. Yeah, it says music. Hallowed be thy name. Be, be thy name. Yeah, it's a little different. It's close though. So you could, we could actually teach them to sing it. Beautiful then, right? And you keep it in your head. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just plain song. It's, ch- it's a chant. Yep. But, but what a great way to learn. Because then... It's like there's a bunch of songs in there. I'm going to read the hymn. Why? And I... Uh, it's worth saying to you, it's worth, I would try to say it to everybody, my goal is to give you the tools, the, the words, I should say, the word of God, um, that you can hold on to, even when your mind goes, when, even when you're on the deathbed, yeah. that you'll have words to say. I want, when, 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 you're, when you're there dying, hopefully, well, maybe with me, I don't know, maybe after me. You'll be able, you'll, you'll say, I believe. Yeah. Our Father. Yeah. Um, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Why, why sing those every week? That's why. That's right. So that they stick. That's right. And they stick with you. And they're there with I you. And that, that's that word in the hymn, um, <clears throat> teach us to obey. No, teach us to guard, to preserve, to protect. That's how you do it. That's how you obey God's word, is you hold it, um, and you repeat it, and you learn it, and you keep it with you. So, read the newsletter, you get the idea. Any questions, John? No. All right, let's close with prayer. Okay. Oh God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration, grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And you note that that is the collect for today. Today. And it's also the Lord's Prayer. Today. Notice that? Yeah. Go figure. Did not.